14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. This is part one. We'll actually read the same text next week and pick up a later part. And, and most of what we're going to talk about today is, is really the first three verses. What I want to put in front of us, though, as we begin today is this question. What are you looking forward to? Go ahead. What are you looking forward to? Okay. What else? Warm weather. It was here and it's gone. Hopefully it will come back. Others. Summer vacation. Graduation. Other things. Birth of your baby. Yep. We have uh, in our life rhythms in which we are often looking ahead. Now the things that were just shared are actually on the positive side. Are there times where you are anticipating something where it's not so positive? Where you see something or the potential for something coming and it instead kind of turns you inside. It makes your stomach kind of uneasy and and you get nervous and, and perhaps even anxious about it. The text we're entering really starts off with with the words here, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. In a moment we'll talk about why it starts there, but but for right now I want to put that word troubled in front of us. It has uh, an idea of agitated water. 
Okay, so agitated water. Now, when I first read that, uh, the thing that, that came to mind was actually a washing machine. Agitated water. It's kind of a controlled space for agitated water. Uh, this was from an ad for Maytag, for a Maytag washer, and I love the fact that it actually has water spraying out of it. Uh, not quite the best sales pitch. <laughs> But, but for some of us, that level of, of agitation in us or that trouble that we anticipate, it's, it's in a controlled space. It doesn't seem overwhelming, but it's there. We're aware of it. It's kind of boxed off in a corner. It may be a small area of our life. For others of us, we feel kind of like a flood of events. This is a picture from the Niagara Falls. And we feel like it just keeps coming and coming and there's things that are, are beyond our control and we can't quite handle life and, and we're feeling overwhelmed. We're going to get flooded by the anxiety that's coming and the events that are coming at us and we don't even know what to do. For some of us, though, it's more like this famous picture. This is actually taken off the coast of France, and you can't see it real well on the resolution that we have here, but there is a lighthouse guard standing in the doorway. And the waves come up and around. There's a whole series of photographs that go with this, and he actually did make it back inside the lighthouse before the waves surrounded it. But we feel like life is just coming in on us. And we have this deep, overwhelmed feeling, and we don't know what to do with it, and we feel threatened by it. It's going to undo us. It's going to sweep us away. It's going to destroy us. It's this last sense that was coming at the disciples. This is what the passage reads right before uh, the one I just read for us, at, at, starting at John 14. This is the end of John 13. Jesus is talking to the disciples. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I love here how Simon Peter just completely ignores that command to love. He got stuck back on that spot where Jesus says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? You hear the anxiety starting to ratchet up in him? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Talk about trouble, <laughs> overwhelmed, a sense of anxiety. And disciples have known what's coming. They know that Jesus is about to die. They know that he's going to be arrested. There is, there is trouble coming, and it's creating an uneasy environment, and Peter is ready to fight. He's got that fight-or-flight thing, and it is definitely the fight side that's kicked in for him at the moment. All that energy and that anxiety, what are we going to do? What do you mean you're leaving us? Where are you going? And that sense of, of being taken away from Jesus or Jesus taken away from them and, and, and there's, 
there's an uneasiness and an uncertainty that's among the disciples. Prompts me, as I'm reading this, simply to ask us, what's agitating our hearts? What's that place for us where we're finding uneasiness and uncertainty? Where we look around and we want to say, God, where are you? Or God, don't leave me. Don't let me go in the midst of this. It'll take just a few moments. Some of us, it may come to mind real quick. Some of us, some of us it may be back there a little bit more. So we're just going to take a few moments and let things be silent. And let us sit with that question. What's agitating our hearts? Oftentimes, people talk about fear of the future. Fear of something that is beyond our control. Fear of, of things falling apart. Fear of being embarrassed. Fear of not having the right amount of knowledge. Fear of being shown to be a fraud. Fear of being found out. Lots of fear. Jesus is speaking into a situation that is full of fear. And he starts with those words, do not let your hearts be troubled. And on one hand, they sound so sweet and so inviting, and on the other hand, it feels impossible. How am I supposed to not let my heart be troubled when all this uncertainty is around me, when I feel like the waves are wrapping around me and going to wash me away? How do I find any peace? There's grace in the text. And Jesus does recognize uh, what they're experiencing and doesn't just give them a command that's impossible for them to follow. He actually starts saying why they should experience some peace and why they're able to experience peace in the midst of all the uncertainty. And he, he says this, My father's house has many rooms. Here's a few things about this imagery that, that it's maybe a little difficult for us to stand, but in that time period, the father's house was a sense of home where the whole community tended to live, the whole extended family. It wasn't just, it wasn't just the, the immediate, what we sometimes call nuclear family. It was kind of layers of family all living together. And, and they would even at times add extra rooms onto the house as a child got married, and, and they would simply build on an extra room and back, and that's where that person would live with their spouse. And then you'd add on more and more and pretty soon all the cousins are hanging out and all the in-laws are hanging out and they're all together in one big house. But that big house was a sense of safety and provision. Everybody worked together. Everybody pitched in. And it was the father's job in that house to make sure that everybody had what they needed, that they were taken care of, and that there were no external threats to them. 
one of the places we can pick up on this imagery is actually to go back to, to Abraham. And Abraham hears this incident where his, his nephew Lot has been taken off and they're, they're taking him away and, and a, a bunch of kings have, have raided the area where Lot was living. And Abraham gets together his household and he has 300 some fighting men in his household. They all live on that property. They're all under the care and he has this military force with him as a sense of protecting and providing. My father's house has a room for you. It's not just saying there's a nice mansion on a hill in the sweet by and by that we're going to go to someday. It's actually saying that God in his kingdom and his provision has a place for you and you will be under his protection. You will be in his house. He will take care of you. It's a guarantee. And in part, what Jesus is saying, if you know the Father, if you know the Father's character as the one who takes care of his people and provides for them, you can let go of the fear. You can let go of the anxiety. You can let go of the worry because the Father has promised to care for you. The Father has promised to watch over you. The Father has promised to wrap you into his household, to belong to him. I find it interesting that Jesus doesn't tell them right away there's not going to be trouble in the world. In fact, if you read the passages that come after this, he says the world's going to hate you. But what he goes to here is a deeper longing than all the surface anxieties. It's the kind of cliche phrase that comes from Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. But in some sense, what Jesus is saying is, is where is your home? And he's not saying your home's off in heaven somewhere and not creating a situation of home is off in heaven and earth is to be abandoned and forgotten about. He's actually bringing the two together. He's saying your home, your security, your comfort comes from being in God's presence in a place where God is. Dwelling with God. Living with God. And in that context, that's where your security and comfort comes from. He's getting at that deeper longing for comfort, for belonging, and saying our belonging doesn't come from the things we have. Our belonging doesn't come from making sure our life is unaffected by the troubles of the world around us. Our security and comfort comes because God is promising to be with us and promising us that we will be with him. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said it this way, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Jesus, in these last moments before, he's, before he goes to the cross, as he's talking with his disciples, he's trying to reorient them from the restlessness they're experiencing, from that turbulence in their hearts, that agitation, and saying, yes, that agitation is real. It is really something you're experiencing, but it's exposing something deeper in you, a longing to be at home with God, a longing to find rest 
in relationship with God, a longing to be with God. He doesn't dismiss their anxiety. He speaks into the middle of it and says there's something deeper going on. In your anxiety, in your worry, in your fear, do you see the longing you have to be with God and for God to be with you? He picks up that question from the end of chapter 13. Where are you going? Where are you going and and why can't we go with you? He says, I'm going there, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you. There's actually a whole lot of, of trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about here that goes on in the commentaries from the early church on. And, and, and they pick up on that word prepare because it has multiple layers to it. It's most commonly used in, in that time period to talk about preparing for the arrival of the emperor or the arrival of a a royal dignitary, some high-up official. It it has that idea of of making sure everything is just right. All 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 the preparation is being done. It's going to be a festive moment. But it's also used of someone saying they're preparing a house to be a hospitable place a place of welcome, a place of rest. And there is a sense here where both of those are, are at play. There, there is this sense that that word has the, the welcoming home, the celebration, the triumph. And Jesus speaking and using this word intentionally is saying to his disciples, there's going to be a day where all this is overcome and there is going to be a celebration just as if a king has come home. But he's also speaking a word that's very personal to them and saying in the midst of your work and your struggles and your worries, be at rest. Because I'm at work right now making a place for you, preparing a place where you can come home to. Think of coming home from a long day at work, taking off your shoes and sitting down and resting. Yesterday with Marty, uh, Marty came over and we were hauling a bunch of bricks from the side of our house and moving them from our house to a pile at his house. So they're his problem now. But as we're loading that up and, and we're working and we did a couple loads of his trailer full of these bricks and we got back home, my son Tim helped us going there and unloading and unloading and we get back home and Tim goes, man, I'm sore. And this morning he comes in here and goes, my side still hurts. (laughs) And you put in that work and it's hard and there's heavy loads and now we weren't slinging these things on our back, but imagine that weight on the back and you come home and you can take that off and you go, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to prepare a place where you can lay down the load and you can sigh. You can rest You can enter into that rest where the work is done and the worries are done and all those heavy loads that have been weighing on you fall off. I'm going to make a place like that ready for you. That's actually where the grace comes in. 
I mean, really comes in in this passage. No matter what we do, Scripture even uses the phrase, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Our worrying doesn't get us anywhere. Our, our fear of the future doesn't get us anywhere. All our wrap up in the uncertainty and the agitation in our hearts, no matter how much of it we do, and no matter how much work we do, we can't get ourselves home with God. We can't eliminate the troubles of the world. We can't get rid of them. We can't stop death. We may, through our medical advances, delay it for a year or two, but we can't stop it. And this is part of one of our, our confessional heritage. It's called a contemporary testimony, and one of the things we say, our hope for a new creation is not tied to what humans can do, for we believe that one day every challenge to God's rule will be crushed. His kingdom will fully come and the Lord will rule and then it gives this prayer, come Lord Jesus, come. Our hope is not that we're somehow going to make it home on our own, that we'll somehow figure out how to overcome all our worries and anxieties and that we'll, we'll be able to master them. Our hope comes from the fact that Jesus is at work making a room for us, preparing a room in his Father's house. That one day, death will be gone the mourning and the tears and the anxiety and the worries and the pain and the sorrow will all be taken away. We'll find ourselves in that presence with God, not because of what we've done, but because of what God has already done through Jesus Christ in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension, which we'll celebrate later this week, and his promise that and he's at work even now putting every enemy under his feet, including the last enemy, which is death. Revelation 21, 3 and 4 gives this promise. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God I love that word, look. In some translations, it gets skipped over because it's such a small word and, and John uses it frequently and the, the translators kind of get tired of writing the same word again and again and so sometimes they leave it out. But this time they include it and it, it's that look of, of sitting at the window and waiting and watching for grandpa and grandma to come over. You know that look where the kids get on the, on the couch looking out the window and they're like this and they're just staring and staring and then they see grandpa and grandma's car turn onto the street and they're like, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. Look! And the whole house knows that grandma and grandpa are coming down the road. That's what's in that word. Look! He's really coming. He's, he's really coming home and, and he's really making the home and it's really happening. It is, it is, it is. That's what's in this promise. All the worry, all the fear, all the anxiety falls off because we see Jesus coming. He's coming back. He's going to make his dwelling with us. And, and as our world belongs to God, goes on to say, we will dwell forever in the presence of God. 
Paul picking up on that idea and the assurance that one day we will dwell with God and God will dwell with us says all the momentary sufferings that we experience now are almost not worth mentioning in light of the coming glory of God. That God is going to dwell with us. And we're going to dwell with God. We're going to be wrapped up into his house. We're going to be caught up in his presence and, and drawn together with him. That's the assurance the grace and comfort God speaks in the middle of agitating circumstances and feelings that whelm up within us and threaten to undo us. God says, be still. Remember, I'm at work making all your enemies as if they didn't exist. I'm undoing all the troubles of the world and the troubles of your heart. Remember, I've already started the battle in the cross. And I'm working through that and bringing it to the day of completion when you will dwell with God and God will dwell with you. All your troubles will be no more, but you will experience the peace and the overwhelming joy of God's presence. Next week, we're going to pick up from here go into the rest of the passage and, and start looking about, so how do we live in light of that? How does that change the way we live? How do we, how do we walk with God here and now? But that's next week. This week, it's a matter of receiving this deep assurance word of grace from God. I've got you. Even in the midst of the storms you experience and feel, I've got you and I'm not letting you go. Watch for me. I will come back. I'll take you home to be with me, to be with your Father, and all things will be made new. Let's pray. Lord, we, we confess, we so often have our vision shaped by the circumstances we are in and the circumstances we are afraid will happen. Lord, our hearts are bent towards fear. It's no surprise that you so often say, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do not be dismayed. Do not be troubled or agitated. You know us so well. Thank you for this word of assurance that you gave your disciples way back and that you give us today. And even in the midst of all the chaos we experience around us and within us, you are at work making a home for us where we will find a rest that we can barely begin to fathom, a peace in your presence and that we will dwell with you. Thank you for such an incredible gift. May you speak into the agitated spaces of our hearts and lives. And may you give us your peace. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. In response, I invite us to stand and sing together number 470, View the Present Through the Promise. <laughs>